0: Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Have you ever been lonely? You know, it's not something that we typically like to admit out loud, because in American culture, we value our independence and our individuality. So... Acknowledging our loneliness almost feels like we're admitting a weakness. But the reality is, many of us experience loneliness. According to Vice Admiral Vivek H. Murthy, former former Surgeon General of the United States, rates of loneliness have doubled since the 1980s. Doubled. And 40% of adults in America report feeling lonely. And research suggests that the real number may well be higher. In fact, he identifies this epidemic of loneliness as one of the most lethal health crises facing America today. He continues, loneliness and weak social connections are associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than that associated with obesity. He continues, loneliness is also associated with a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression, and anxiety. See, the need to belong is so strong within us that it even impacts our physical health. Belonging is to the human spirit what breathing is to the human body. We need to belong and we're desperately lonely without it. It is the greatest longing of the human heart. And that's why the next step of our discipleship journey speaks to that longing for belonging. We're starting our second annual discipleship spring training today. It is the mission of our church to build lifelong disciples of Jesus. Because disciple-making is not optional. To be a disciple is is to be a disciple maker. We can't truly say that we're following Jesus unless we're actively engaged in fulfilling his final command to us to go and make disciples of all nations. So last year we began this disciple making journey together. Pastor Roy Ice led us into that first step with the 12 people you love. And some of you may have been surprised to learn that disciple making doesn't begin with converting. It doesn't begin with convincing. It begins with loving. Simply showing others the same love that God has shown to us. And so, if you are new to our church or if you haven't begun this journey yet, I'd encourage you to begin today. Go to the UConnect welcome table at the back in the lobby and pick up a copy of the 12 people you love. Because that is step one. Step two is loving our 12 together. Because after our 12 have experienced God's love and they have entered into it, the next step is to connect them to a loving community where they belong. Because whether we live in a nursery or a nursing home, we all long to belong. We all long to belong to a community where we are both fully known and fully loved. And when we don't have that, we experience loneliness. I'm an introvert, and as an introvert, after a busy weekend at church, my wife will tell you, the thing I want to do most is just retreat to my quiet place and read and be alone. Can anybody here identify with me? Any introverts in the room? I guess I shouldn't have asked introverts to raise their hand, should I? (laughs) But even as an introvert, I sometimes feel lonely because there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Let me explain what I mean. In high school, many of us had a least favorite a least favorite period of the day. For some of us, it was science. For others of us, it was math. But for me, it was lunch. I dreaded lunch. And the reason why is because as a new incoming freshman, I didn't have very many friends. Actually, if I'm being honest, I didn't have any friends. So I didn't have anybody to sit with during lunch. And since I was very shy, I didn't have the courage to go up to people I didn't know very well and ask them if I could sit with them during lunch. So, what I did instead was I circled. I grabbed my lunch and I literally walked circles around the campus just so that I would look like I had somewhere to go, just so I would look like I had somewhere I belonged just so I wouldn't look like that loser who ate lunch by himself. I circled to mask my loneliness. Have you ever been lonely? I've grown up and I've made some great friends since then. But there are still times, usually when I'm disconnected from my family or my friends, when I still feel lonely when I still feel out of place, when I still feel like that 14-year-old kid who circled because he had nowhere to belong. Belonging is the deepest longing of the human heart. But why? Why do we long to belong? And why do we feel lonely when we don't? Actually, the answer to that might surprise you because it's deeply connected to who God made us to be. And understanding that answer helps us to experience belonging. So today, we're gonna answer the question of why, why? And to do that, we need to go to the very beginning, to the creation of man found in Genesis chapter one and two. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up and turn over to Genesis chapter one. Genesis 1 and 2 form the creation account. It forms the creation account. And as we look over this carefully, a pattern will start to emerge. See if you can catch it. Verse 3 says, on the first day, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then on the third day, God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Yeah, you're getting it. On the fourth day, God set them in the vault of the sky to give light to the, on the earth to govern the day and the night to separate the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. Yeah. God creates and then pronounces it good. There's a rhythm to the passage. Right? The sun was good and the moon was good. The Monkeys were good, and the peacocks were good. The broccoli was good, and the kale was. Well, I can't imagine kale ever being good. (laughs) But God pronounces it all good. It's all good. And then we get to the creation of man. And after creating this perfect world and filling it with perfection, God creates his masterpiece his crowning achievement of all of his creations this is the only one that he says is made in his own image this is his mona lisa his sistine chapel his romeo and juliet this is his magnum opus and after he makes it after he creates what does he say what does he say about his masterpiece genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says that the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone it is not what good it's not good and just like that like a like a car stops when it slams into a a divider this narrative comes to a screeching halt with these two words not good when we compare it to all the perfection around it this little imperfection stands out it stands out like like a vegan at a steakhouse it stands out like an Adventist at a weed convention. It stands out like, like a sane person at a Cowboys stadium. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Sorry to all of you Cowboys fans in here. It stands out, it's so different. And why does God call his masterpiece not good? Because he is alone. To be alone according to God, is not good. Even, even if you happen to be the world's perfect man, right? This, is all, this all happens before sin has entered the world, before Adam sins. He still enjoys perfection all around him. He probably had the closest relationship with God that any man ever except Jesus. And yet... He he talks to God face to face. He walks with God side by side. And yet God says that it is not enough. And even Adam starts to realize that he's missing something. Take a look. Verse 19 and 20. Now the Lord God had formed him out of the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. So God has Adam give names to all of his creatures. And as he's doing this, he realizes something. That none of God's creation is alone. They all belong to a family. They all belong to a community. Except him. Verse 20 says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. It's almost as if God set up this whole situation so that Adam would experience loneliness. It's almost as if God wants Adam to recognize that he's missing something, that he's missing someone. God allows Adam to experience loneliness so that he would crave community. He instills in him, this longing for belonging. And it seems that God placed that longing for belonging inside Adam from the very beginning. I mean, take a look at how Moses summarizes the creation of humanity in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. and says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Not him, them. Male and female, he created them. Notice, it takes two to make one. Two halves to make one whole. God makes them, and God makes us, intentionally incomplete. Only together could they embody the image of God. Only together could they reflect God's character and love. And just in case we might get confused and think this is about finding our soulmate, you know, finding that one other person that's supposed to make you whole, God makes it perfectly clear in the next verse that one is not enough. Having one other person is not enough. In his first command to this newly formed couple, he tells them to expand their community. He says in verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and what? Increase in number. See, it was never God's plan for them to continue as a couple. He wanted them to grow a community. That's the only way. That's the only way they could embody the image of God. Because God Himself exists in community. Think about that. I know that the, the concept of the Trinity is difficult to grasp, that there's three persons and one God. I mean, It's complicated. But the theology that the Trinity communicates, that's beautiful. That love is so essential to who God is that before there was a universe, before there were any other creations, from eternity past, God existed in a loving community with Himself. That's amazing. I love how Pastor Tim Keller describes the Trinity. He says that they are an eternal dance of love and joy. Isn't that beautiful? An eternal dance of love and joy. And the reason why God creates is to invite his creations into the dance. See, that's why there's no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. Because to follow Jesus is to join his dance. See, humanity was created for community. And that's why we long for it. And that's why when we don't have it, we feel like something is missing. God made us intentionally incomplete so that we would long to belong and we would seek to join His dance. You know, sometimes in church circles, we tell people who are lonely that they shouldn't expect too much from human relationships because we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts that no human can fill. Have you heard that before? Yeah. And that's true. But it's also true that God has placed within us a people-shaped hole that even God himself will not fill. God made us intentionally incomplete. Humanity was created for community. And that's why Pastor John Ortberg writes, when you are loved, it is not just that you receive more from someone else, but also that you become more yourself. You become more complete. You are. Love brings the power to become the me I want to be. Loving people are literally life givers. See, you can't be you and I can't be me, unless we are a part of God's life-giving we. God made us intentionally incomplete. He made us with a human-sized hole in our hearts. He made humanity for community, and that's why we're better together. Now, as we seek to enter into these life-giving relationships, these life-giving communities, chances are we're going to bump into some people who challenge us, who think differently than we do, who believe differently than we do, who behave differently than we do. We may even encounter some people who make us want to give up on the idea of community altogether. Writer Henry Nouwen writes that community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Do you find that to be true? You know, as we dive deeper into community, we'll rub up against people who poke us in all the wrong ways, whose rough edges feel like sandpaper on our souls. Do you know people like that? You probably can think of a few names. Don't look at the person next to you. That's not nice. (laughs) But instead of avoiding these people, avoiding people who are different from us, We should embrace them. Invite them into community with us. To create as diverse a community as we can. Different genders, different ages, different generations, different ethnic backgrounds. As diverse a community as we can. Because diverse communities are better communities. So what research has shown over and over again. One example, researchers Bantel and Jackson. They study the top management uh, leadership teams at 199 banks. And what they discovered was that the more diverse management teams were able to come up with better solutions, more innovative solutions to their administrative problems. And that makes a lot of sense because diverse teams experience shared learning. See, if everybody thinks like you, there's very little you can learn from them. So diverse teams are better teams. Diverse groups are better groups because they help us to learn and to grow. But God understood that, and that's why he made us different. That's why he made man and woman, Adam and Eve. That's why he makes each of us unique, because he knows that our differences make us better. We are better together. So instead of allowing our differences, instead of allowing our different people, to keep you from community, invite them into community. Because loving community, that's what we were made for. And when we don't have it, we feel lonely. See, there's a lot of lonely people out there. There's a lot of lonely people in here. People who are longing to belong. So invite them to join you in God's dance of community. See, that is the next step of our discipleship journey, loving our 12 together. And that's why here at the Loma Linda University Church, we have intentionally created many different opportunities to belong to communities. We have Sabbath schools for all ages, from birth all the way to adulthood. We have 16 different Sabbath schools for adults and young adults. 16. You can see them listed in your bulletin. We have Bible studies, midweek Bible studies, and prayer meetings happening almost every day of the week. These are all opportunities to to belong to life-giving communities. Another way to belong to a community is to join a ministry team. Serving alongside one another is a powerful way to build community. So our choir or our brass or our hospitality team or our quilters, they are all opportunities to belong to life-giving communities. So my challenge for you today is simple. Find one or invite one or invite one. If you aren't yet a part of a life-giving community, then find one. Take a moment right now to look through your bulletin, circle one or two Sabbath schools that you might want to try out over the next few months. Or or visit our welcome center in the lobby and ask them to connect you to a community or help you join a ministry. If you're not a part of a life-giving community, then find one. If you are a part of a life-giving community, then invite one. If you're part of a community that helps you embody the image of God that helps you to be the person you were meant to be, then invite one of your 12 to join you. It's as simple as saying, you know, the connecting place has been so meaningful to me. I've, I've experienced God there. I think you'd really enjoy it. Would you join me sometime? Find one or invite one. Find one or invite one. Because belonging to a life-giving community, that's not just something that's good to do. It's essential to who we are. So find one or invite one because God made us to be better together.